So tonight in Colossians, we're going to look at that in a moment, but I've really been focused in on this subject of altars and arcs. I talked a few weeks ago about, especially at the beginning of the year, we all uh, would say, I want something to be altered in my life, A-L-T-E-R-E-D. But really, if we understand a spiritual principle that rather than trying to change, if we would just build an altar of worship and praise and worship and focusing on the word, that is what brings lasting change in our lives. And as I've thought about this subject, not only did Noah build an ark, but one of the main components of the entire New Testament is God's presence being with his people. Amen? And when I talk about spiritual hunger and when I talk about things like fasting, I make sure I reiterate as I have many times, but sometimes if maybe you're uh, a new Christian or maybe somebody that hasn't walked with the Lord for a long time or maybe your theology is a little off, we don't hunger and thirst for the righteousness that God has already provided through the blood of Jesus. Amen? What I want to do, and I believe this is a season that we're in, is God is stirring up a fresh hunger for His presence. God is stirring up a fresh hunger to be with Him in prayer and worship and just pressing in. There are times when we kind of have to shake off the old things of the world and begin to refocus on Him. And I do not, you know, you guys, if you're new, you don't know this, but let me say it to those who do. We aren't trying to get to a place of being near to God. Sometimes we just need reminded that everything that the cross provided, I want to become reality in this man's life. Amen? I want it to be a reality in my emotions. I want it to be a reality in my in my thoughts. I want it to be a reality in my family. I want it to be a reality in this church. And we are already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we're not hungering for the righteousness. We're hungering for more of God. And really I found that when we study things like altars and arcs, and tonight I'm going to talk about the Ark of the Covenant, and how special it would have been to the disciples that followed Jesus and others who recognized who he was and made a decision that he is the Messiah, that he says he is, he is the Son of God, that really how special that the ark was to the people and how the ark was fulfilled. There's three places that the ark is kind of shown, of course, in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, at Kaywood, uh, overlaid with gold, carried on poles. It represented really something very unique and very special to the people of God in the Old Testament because lots of people around them had temples. Lots of people around them had things in the temple that they worshipped. But the difference for the people of God, even in the Old Testament, is their God was with them in His presence. And the man said it Sunday morning, and it blessed me that he said it because he goes to, that's what literally what he does. He's probably in a different church every single Sunday, 52 weeks out of the year. And for him to come in and just, you know, encourage us as a church that the Spirit of God is here. And here's the thing. I don't ever want to lose that. I don't ever want to lose that focus. I don't ever want to lose that heart as a pastor and to continually convey that heart to you as the people of God. Because the people in the Old Testament, they lost the ark, which represented and literally was the presence of God in their midst. And we need to be very careful that we reverence the presence of God. We need to be very careful that we are focused on the presence of God. Because I've said it, and I've said it over the last few weeks. Listen, that is what separates us from all the other people of the earth. And when David 
realized that what represented the presence of God to the people had been lost, David had a heart to say, I am going to get it back and I'm going to place it right in the center where it belongs amongst the people of God. And if you look through the Old Testament, God's presence really was the center of everything because even going through the wilderness with Moses, he instructed them that the tent of meeting was to be placed here right in the center of the encampment. And then you had everybody else would align themselves according to tribes or their families, but broken down into tribes would center themselves around the middle place, which would have been called the tabernacle of meeting. Oh, church, that our churches would be called tabernacles of meeting again. Amen. That our homes would be called tabernacles of meetings again. That our lives. And in the Old Testament, of course, the the ark represented the, the presence of God. And then you have Jesus, as we're going to look at tonight, as a study, by the way, of arks and altars that we're on for these last few weeks. But Jesus is the fulfillment of the ark. Jesus is the fulfillment of that. And then in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, guess what? You now have an ark called your heart. And it's where God wants to communicate. It's where God wants to show you His Word. It's where God wants to reveal Himself to you in a very special, very profound way. In those three areas. And we'll look, we're going to look and focus on two today. But Jesus was the embodiment of the Ark of the Covenant as he walked the earth. And I just want to remind you, church, you need reminded of this just like I need reminded of this. Heaven is inside of you. (laughs) The presence is available to you because it's here on the inside. But what we find, we can find ourselves in a place where we have lost something that is precious. We have lost something that means a lot to us, much like in the Old Testament when David set his heart to bring the ark, to bring the presence, to bring that which separated the people of God from all the other pagan cultures on the earth. And we're going to talk about that tonight. But I want to show you this Bible because it is very special to me. And to get an idea of how seeing Jesus as the embodiment of the presence of God walking physically among them and healing people and casting out demons and preaching and teaching the word of God... The disciples that walk with him would have had a very special, a very amazing revelation of he's the son of God. He is what we have heard about and been taught about in synagogue and been taught about all those years. He is the embodiment, the fulfillment of that. So it would have been very special to them, much like this Bible is very special to me. I got saved in my mid-20s. And uh, right after I got saved, my older brother, who had been following Christ for several years at that point, he decided to buy me my first Bible. And it was, so this is very, I have a stack of Bibles in my, uh, matter of fact, the one that is right underneath this one in my office is a uh, Dake Study Bible that Leah bought me when I graduated college. If you want to know who to marry, if you're single in here tonight, somebody get you a study Bible, that's marriage material, y'all. I'm just telling you straight up. (laughs) But when my brother bought this for me, he went into a little bookstore there in Chillicothe, Ohio called Praises Bookstore, and he had my name put on it. And when he went to pick it up, the young lady who handed it to him for him to bring to me as a gift, she looked and she said, oh, we messed up putting the person's name on here because it it wasn't real clear. It was just a little fuzzy on the edges. And she started to say, we will redo it. If you would like. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit just uh, impressed upon my brother 
not to redo it because later on when he handed it to me, he said, I want to tell you that just like this is fuzzy, sometimes you're going to have fuzzy times in your walk with God. Sometimes you're going to have those times when everything, you're never going to be perfect this side of heaven. But remember where you refocus yourself. So this is very special to me, much like any lady in this room who's wearing an engagement ring or a wedding ring or men wear our wedding rings. Those things are precious to us. In church, the people in the Old Testament would have looked at the ark as being very special, very present, very precious. And, and they had heard all the stories. When Jesus shows up on the scene, they had heard the stories of how the, the priest with holy fear and reverence would go into the Holy of Holies and they had to have something tied to their leg in case they were to die on the other side of that curtain. They even wore little bells on their, their garments. And, and they, or they, later on they heard of when David was, and we're going to dig into this tonight. I've studied some things that I've never seen before that I just absolutely love. But when they're bringing the ark back, he had gathered up 30,000 troops and they go off to bring the ark from the Philistines back into the, to the people of God. And David had that heart. He, listen, David, if you look at his life, he had won battles, conquered enemies, finally reached where he'd been anointed all those years before and now he's finally walking in the anointing. There's always a, a, a gap between your appointing and your anointing and your tr- up to where God has for you. Always, always. So he finally reaches this place, and I'm sure he's got a nice house, he's got servants, he's got people taking care of him. But there was something gnawing down deep on the inside of David saying, it is not going to be well with us. Because you see, in the Old Testament, we understand when they, when they reverenced the presence, when they reverenced the ark, when they took care of it, when they treated it as God told them to treat it, things went well for them. They were blessed. They were protected. They were taken care of. But... Just like them, oftentimes we begin to lose our way, we begin to get busy, begin to do all these things, and David just simply said, I want to have the ark back. And Uzzah is a man that was riding on a new cart, it says, pulled by oxen, and they're bringing, they had 30,000 warriors, they had tambourines, they had all this stuff going on, and they hit a bump in the road, and when Uzzah reaches out to steady the ark that is on the cart, he touches it and he dies. So you gotta, you got to paint a picture that they knew that there was power. They knew that there was presence there. As a side note, whenever the anointing is in, trans, in transition, it always looks unstable. Just let it flow. Amen? And for the people of God, they would have known those things in an Old Testament way of the power of the ark, the presence that dwelt there, and it was very special to them. Everybody say special. As we study this tonight, it's important to understand these things because the significance and value of an object is directly related to the story that is directly behind it. Connected to the personal nature of that item means to you because of the history you have with it. Just like that Bible is very special to me. Just like, you know, nobody could offer you any amount of money for your engagement ring. At least I hope Leah wouldn't sell her engagement ring. She's not here to defend herself tonight, but that's okay. It's okay. So the symbol of the ark was more than just a cool story to them. It meant everything to them because it is the point of contact with their God. When John begins his gospel, he says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace 
and truth. It meant more to them as they looked upon Jesus. It was something precious to them in a new and special way. The ark, this object made of gold, wood, and made according to how God told them to make it, and God said to design it this way, it was the first tangible object that you could touch or feel or look at that represented God to humanity. Listen, we often skip over the importance of the things like the ark because just like I mentioned before, we don't know the story behind it because it represented the presence of God. And so it is with us and our churches. Without God's presence in our lives and in and upon our churches, we are just nicely overlaid pieces of wood. Amen? A shell of what God intends for us to be as a body and as individual families of God. Church, it's all about the presence. What from the ark did this presence do? God displayed his power and authority. God communicated his will to them. Aaron entered into the Holy of Holies, and they had something called the Urim and the Thummim on the breastplate, and it was the means by which they would make decisions. So there was communication from God displayed over the ark, his power and authority. God gave them victory over their enemies. You know the story of Jericho. They put the ark and they marched with it around Jericho. So the ark represented victory over enemies. It represented communication from God. It represented victory and it represented the ark gave them favor. God at the ark offered up atonement for sin. So as we look at Jesus tonight as the new ark, we're going to see the fulfillment that these early disciples gave everything and laid down their lives because they had experienced the ark in man form. Let's read our text tonight. Colossians 1, we're going to go down to verse 25 and end in 27. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? So instead of the foreshadowing of things to come, or a story that they had heard from teachers and parents and they knew the ark was special, they knew the ark was powerful, they knew the ark was to be reverenced. It now went from the symbolism of wood and gold and something that they reverenced and it was now given to individuals. Listen, it's not the presence of God is not given to the Pope, it's not given to denominations, it's not given to churches, it's given to whomsoever will come in the name and by the blood of Jesus Christ. Allow me to make a very simple observation here about the ark. In the same way that the first ark was an example in the world of who God was to his people, so now are we to be the very real, very tangible representation of what the ark represented to them. To us, to the people around us, to the people who are lost, we are to be that representation. In other words, you carry a spiritual ark on the inside and tonight... I want to teach you about that. And that should wake us up because when I studied the ark, again, it struck me that when they reverenced the ark, when they treated it how God told them to treat it, and again, take the spiritual analogy all the way through in your mind right now, 
is when we reverence the presence, when we focus on the presence during times of fasting, during times of, and not just fasting, it's not just laying aside something to lay aside something. It, it A, does put your flesh hopefully back into subject, just flesh get under, get come into alignment with my spirit. In other words, so many of us are emotionally led and, and affected by all the things we touch, see, feel, hear, and you know, we're, we're so affected by our five senses in our emotions, in our soul. And when we're, we fast, we lay aside that soulish way and nature, and we're able to refocus ourselves on God, which brings a fresh wind of his spirit into our lives, brings a, brings a fresh hunger for God in our lives. And church, we have been given something on the inside of us, corporately and individual, and how we reverence that, how we treat that, will not only affect our lives, but it will affect countless lives all around us. The ark represented the power, presence, and forgiveness of God. And then a question came in my mind is, why don't we experience that presence like we often want to or we often think we should? Like perhaps maybe you did before, maybe at one time in your life, you said, man, just God's presence was so real and tangible in my life. One trap that they fell into with the ark is when the power of it manifested, <laughs> when, when the power of it was present, when God was actually present on the ark, just like the story of Uzzah reaching out. I'm sure David had to be like, man, God, yeah. God I'm, I'm doing the right thing. God, I, I, my heart's in the right place. God, I want your presence to be back with your people. And, and listen to me. Whenever, and if we're really inviting the presence of God, here's what we have to say. God, you come how you want to come, and God, you do what you want to do. Because in the Old Testament, what I noticed when you study the ark is when his power did manifest and it didn't go the way they wanted, then their, their natural reaction was to back off and try to figure out how to control it. Are you listening to me? Listen, don't put God in your box. It's not where he belongs. He moved out of the box. The, the veil has been rent. The blood of Jesus is victorious. And the presence of God dwells among his people. When we say we want God to come in his glory and his presence, we better have an understanding that he's going to come how he wants to come. He's not going to come sometimes just to make you feel better. He's going to come and convict. He's not going to come sometimes and just give you, you know, the, the goosebumps. He's going to come and begin to deal with things in your life. God's presence will refine you if you allow it. God's presence will strengthen you if you allow it. The story of Uzzah touching the ark is amazing. Because Saul's died. And it has, it's not lost on me that Saul was never concerned about bringing the ark back to the people. It was David who had that heart because... God said this, David is a man after my own heart, because don't miss this point tonight. God always intended for him to be with his people. Amen? Dave, so at this time, David has captured Jerusalem. He is now king. He wants the presence brought back. So he gathers up 30,000 of the best of Israel, and they begin the journey back to Jerusalem. And... Uzzah reaches out, and this is an admirable thing. And Uzzah reaches out, and he touches it, and he dies on the spot. Doing good is admirable, but being lax and careless in how we do good is not. Amen? The story there is doing good is admirable, but being lax and careless because God had already instructed how to carry his presence, how to 
honor his presence, how to reverence his presence. So we're going to talk about Jesus as the new ark tonight. But for us to have an understanding of the ark and Jesus as a fulfillment is to understand that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We have a treasure in earthen vessels. We are the temple. We are living stones being built up. And another thing that I studied that I didn't realize uh, until just this afternoon when I was reading through it and studying it and came to a place where I began to understand that David naturally got very upset that his man Uzzah had died touching the ark. So David did the right thing. He took the ark and he put it in Obed-Edom's house. And the amazing thing about that is Obed-Edom didn't want to give that thing up, did he? If you know the story, his crops were bigger, his family was growing, his, everything was blessed. Listen, the presence of God brings blessings. So the main thing that I can teach you in this small study that we're doing about altars and arks is we need the presence of God. David knew that as good as everything was, as wonderful as his new house of cedar was, and king of Israel, winning battles, defeating the enemies, all the things that were going on, it, even the good stuff doesn't mean as much without God involved. It doesn't. And listen, this is so cool because I've never seen this before. He went and he studied very deeply, okay, God, if, if you killed him touching it, we need to know how to carry this thing Two, and amazing that he, he says, okay, wait, wait, wait. It must be carried on the shoulders of the Levites with wooden poles. And so he gets that figured out, and he says, I'm going to go a step further. We're not all going to get struck dead by you know the ark and not reverencing like we should. So every six steps, they would stop and sacrifice a bull I mean, imagine that. I don't know how you kosher cut up a bull, but it couldn't have been easy. They're playing tambourines, and they're doing the same stuff as before, but they're doing it in the way that God said to do it. That is so important. But as deeply as he studied this, it still amazed me. I think there's something important here that I haven't really just studied out all the way to my conclusion. But the interesting thing about that is as he leaves Obed-Edom's, you can track it on a map. He leaves this area. And they're traveling towards Jerusalem. And there is a, a intersection in the road. And it doesn't say this distinctly and directly in the Bible. But you would think if David had studied this so deeply, he would have said, okay, it needs to be carried on the shoulders of the Levites. We need to worship. We need to sacrifice. We need to do these things to honor and reverence God's presence. Because they, it had come from the Philistine temple of Dagon. And interestingly enough, when the... When the presence was put there, the idols fell and smashed his head and his arms off. That's all we need is God's presence to defeat the enemy, church. That's all you need. But he comes up to this crossroads. And the interesting thing is, is it had been taken from the tabernacle of Moses that was over in a place called Gibeon. And Gibeon is about six miles over here and Jerusalem is that way. And I'm sure he comes to this intersection and he says, well... Am I going to put it back in the tabernacle of Moses or am I going to put it in the tent that I've already created for God's ark to rest? And he makes a right and heads toward Jerusalem because David had a heart that said, God, I do not want to be distant from your presence. 
I wanted to be at the very center of my life. I wanted to be at the very center of every decision that I make. Do you understand that God wants to communicate to you? He wants to talk to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. This church thing is just to encourage you in your already relationship with God that you already have, and you already have that communication protection presence available to us. My job is not to get you dependent on me. My job is to get you hungry for Jesus and to show you that you have the ability to hear from God. I've had all kinds of instances where people come and say, Pastor, I'm just telling you, this is the word of the Lord for you. And listen, if it doesn't already confirm what God already spoke to me, I don't listen to it. That's news to many of you in here. Amen? And I'm not saying I always clearly hear from God. I always look for the confirmation. Are you understanding what I'm saying? I'm not saying I'm so full of pride that I'm the only one who hears No, 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 no. I'm saying that so often we've taught our congregations to look to people when God's offering Himself. And David said, I don't want to put it over here in the tabernacle of Moses, even though that may be exactly the right thing to do. But can I tell you, God honored his heart of saying, we want to be as close to you as what we possibly can. My point is, we can even make mistakes in our lives and we can make mistakes in the life of this church. We can make the wrong direction in the right direction and get back off track and on track. But as long as our heart is, God, we just really want you. God is going to bless God is going to fight our battles. God is going to do what only God can do. I'm going to give you six things, and it's amazing because when we look at the life of Christ and when we look at theologically sound doctrine that we need to know and understand, there's in and through. Everybody say in In. and through. through. The ark represented what Jesus came to fulfill, and what Jesus came to fulfill was poured out on the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, So you actually have an ark in your life and in your heart. And the better you get to know the presence of God already resident in your life, the better it's going to go for you. In Jesus, God displayed his power and authority. We have in Jesus the power and authority of his presence. The authority to lay hands on the sick. The authority to cast out devils. And listen, this, this is not, sometimes we equate authority with, 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 you know, volume, don't we? We get people that can really scream and spit when they preach, and I get to doing that. I'm, I'm telling on myself. I get excited. But that's not authority. Authority is fasting. Authority is your prayer life. Authority is digging into the Word of God. Authority is is putting off those things that are second best for the first best, which is relationship with Christ. I'll never forget the story my brother-in-law told me, who pastored the church over there in Louisiana. He took over for Leah's dad, who pastored a revival temple for 43 years. And we were staying in the hallway one day just talking, and we were actually talking about the presence and authority. And Leah's dad was somebody that carried tremendous spiritual authority for all intents and purposes, even though back then they didn't really call people this. He was an apostle, exactly what he was. Of course, he spent the first 40 days of every single year fasting. Food. (laughs) Are you hearing me? You don't carry that authority without a price. Amen? It's in you. You're already there. You're already invited into the Holy of Holies. And, and once we realize our identity and when we, once we realize that God has already provided every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenlies, amen, it's all provided. 
then there becomes that reach of our spirit for God that God is honored by. So in other words, it's putting him first place. But he told me this story, and he was in the, my, my brother-in-law, Wes, was in the sheriff's department at the time, so he was one of the first people on the scene. And there was a family that lived right about 10, 15 minutes north up Walker North Road there from the church. And they were members of the church, and, and this is a horrible story. But they owned a, a concrete company, and their son was trying to fix the auger up on a platform and fell into the auger. Yeah, awful. And so the phone call came, and, and Wes said, Jason, he said it was the most chaotic scene. The, the sisters and the mom was wailing and rolling and just crying. The dad was yelling at somebody because they had turned it, you know, all these things. He said, I walked up on a scene that was complete chaos. Me and a couple other sheriff's deputies had walked up and tried to kind of calm things down. No effect. They didn't even care. They were just, they were all fighting and screaming and, and of course, in anguish. He said, Jason... Uh, Brother Mac pulls up in his car, put it in park, and he said, as soon as that man opened the door and his feet hit the ground, he said, everything just went. Wow. The authority. You see, the ark was God's authority to the people of God in the Old Testament. Jesus is the fulfillment of the ark, so Jesus has all power and authority, and it's not volume, it is relationship. It's presence. The ark represented the presence of God, and we see in the word of God that Jesus displayed the power and authority. When you look at the life of Jesus, it's very evident evident that when it came time to defend himself, he simply let the presence be his justification and answer, didn't he? You don't see Jesus defending himself, do you? Rarely do you ever see him come back. He's brought before Pilate, and Pilate has to really, you know, Are you really who they say you are? He just let the presence of God. What would change in your life or in the life of this church if you just let the presence speak for you? (laughs) I guarantee a lot of your conflicts would go away. Are you hearing me? So represented the power and authority. Number two tonight, in Jesus, it represented the power of authority. Through Jesus, God communicated his will to us. One of the most significant things Jesus did by carrying out the Father's plan of redemption was to become our passageway into the presence of God. Amen? He communicated His will to us. Jesus made a way for each and every person in this room, just like the ark in the Old Testament, when the priest would go in, that's how they communicated with God, with the Urim and Thummim on the breastplate. The ark was a point of communication for Israel. And let me tell you tonight, the presence of God is a point of communication for you as a believer. How many, how many need God to tell you what to do? I hope everybody does. Amen. Part of the problem is we hear, we just don't listen and obey. Amen. Do you realize the ark was lost at one point? You had 400 years of silence until God shows up wrapped in human flesh in a manger. <laughs> Which should just blow my mind every time I say it does me. God of the universe comes down. To do what? Restore communication to his people. So the fulfillment is what you already have inside of your heart. And you may say, I can't hear God. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. 
Because God never again wants to be separated from communicating with you. Jesus came to fulfill that. Number three, in Jesus, God gave us victory over our enemies. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Listen, as his people carrying his presence, we have power of attorney, so to speak, to use the name above all names in any situation that's facing you right now. In the Old Testament, I mentioned this, when the Philistines captured the ark and put it in their temple, their god Dagon was prostrate with his head cut off and his arms cut off. Amen? Listen, the presence doesn't just contain evil. When you get the presence of God in your life, it will absolutely expel evil. Amen? Because Jesus defeated evil at the cross, and it is once for all already dealt with, And you are deputized by God to enforce what God won on the cross. Colossians 2.15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Listen, my point is, you have the same victory on the inside of you. Dealing with something personal over this last week, and, and I'm really encouraging my wife when she says certain things. I'm like, be careful of your words. Amen? Be careful what comes out of your mouth. Because we already have the victory. We already have the healing. We already have the answer. We already have what God said we could have. Most of the time, we just are so non-understanding of what Christ provided for us on the cross. In essence, to simplify spiritual warfare, and how many have been in a season of intense spiritual warfare? My goodness. I was talking to my mom who's coming into town tomorrow, by the way. Thank you, Jesus. She hasn't been here in a while. So uh, my mom will be here this weekend at church. So You guys come and act like you like me or something. <laughs> come up and tell her how wonderful I am. I don't know. Listen, if you want to if you want to get spiritual warfare in a nutshell, just invite and invoke the presence of God. <laughs> and listen, evil's expelled by the presence coming. You hear me? That's the key. Number 4, through Jesus, so in Jesus and through Jesus, God d- demonstrated his favor and delight towards us. God's favor towards us is radiated in the face of Jesus and his smile can penetrate even the gloomiest day and the hardest time and the hottest fire. If you know you have the presence and the smile of Jesus, you can walk through anything. Think of all the things Jesus came to give us and that is fulfilled in who he already said that he is. He gave time. He gave hope. He gave acceptance. Blessings, life, comfort, peace, the Holy Spirit, joy. He gave us a new kingdom. He gave us a new covenant. He gave us protection. He gave us deliverance. He gave us unity. He gave us love. He gave us vision. He gave us victory. Everything that we have need of is found in the presence of God because of Jesus. And most importantly, He gave us the privilege of not visiting His presence, but living in it continually. And and I don't want to have you misunderstand what I'm saying. I oftentimes start to reach out and search, you know, where's your presence? Where where are you at? That's important to do as a believer because if you feel like you've moved away from God, I promise you he didn't move. He doesn't. We do. So when you begin to understand these things in a spiritual way, the ark 
Jesus fulfilled the ark of everything that he said and did is now living inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. You need to be reminded of that tonight. Because when you get the bad doctor's report, when you, when you get the difficult thing heading down the pike, and when you feel in your spirit, now myself for months, and I don't know if it was individually or if it was corporately or it could be both, there's a shift and shaking happening. If you can't feel that, it, 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 it's, it's been in my spirit for a while. And I'm like, Lord, you know, what's, what's coming up the pike? But, but here's the thing. I don't necessarily need to know. I just need to know he's with me. <laughs> Amen? We're always looking for the answers. We're always looking for the why. I quit asking that a long time ago, y'all. Because he's God and I'm not. Sometimes that's the best place to start. Number five, in Jesus, God confirmed his mystery and uniqueness. That segues right into my next point. There's a certain mystery in the fact that God chose to be born of a teenage virgin and wrapped in human flesh. In humanity, it's a mind-blowing event. Listen, if you can define God, then he ceases to be God. Can we all agree on that? I always get amazed at people that, if somebody comes to you and says, man, I've got all this figured out, run run I, I am so what's the word I'm looking for Lord I am so um, I keep people at way arm's length that come to me and says I know exactly who God is what he's doing you understand what God wanted us to know is revealed in Jesus and that's enough for this man that's called faith amen God is infinitely deep and exciting and profound And we can only know God to the extent Jesus revealed God to us in the Bible and who he was. In Jesus, this unique way was fulfilled and expanded all at once. So he fulfilled what God gave him in the Old Testament, and then he expanded on it. Aren't you glad tonight that Hebrews tells us that this is a better covenant? These are better promises. You don't have to have one person go into the Holy of Holies and communicate with God. That is inside of you now. And number six, final one, through Jesus, God offered atonement for sin. The Ark of the Covenant represented a promise, a covenant between God and his chosen people. Even a quick read through Exodus, if you're reading through the Bible in a year, you're going to get to Exodus probably already or very soon. And even a quick read through it shows you how quickly we mess it up. Amen? And really the whole story of the Bible is God jumping through hoops to get it back. What's that back? Relationship with us. Presence. Communion. He's there to help. He's there to walk and guide and be with us. So once a year, an unblemished lamb was slaughtered and the blood was sprinkled on what was called the mercy seat. And can I tell you, Theologically and biblically, and this is a point of victory and celebration for us every day of our lives, that Jesus went into the Holy of Holies of Heaven. And once for all, of those who would believe in faith and receive the free gift of Jesus, once for all, He went and sprinkled that holy blood upon the mercy seat of Heaven. You see, God is not keeping you at arm's length any longer. Amen? God is... Wanting to draw us in with an understanding. Stand with me tonight. I want to finish with reading Hebrews. Because 
the Bible teaches us that not only did he sprinkle the mercy seat in heaven, but it also says that our conscience is cleansed from the sprinkling of the blood. Amen? Here's what Hebrews says. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, a word that the Lord laid on my heart a few weeks ago is confidence. When you're covered in the blood, when that is sprinkled on your heart, just like the ark, just like the holy of holies and the slaughtering of the innocent lamb, the unblemished, spotless lamb of God was sacrificed for you. By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Would you just close your head, eyes and bow your head? That talks about the sprinkling of the blood. That talks about our conscience sometimes can, and listen, our conscience is a very important, very powerful thing. Do not ignore your conscience because we can actually get to a place where it's seared, the Bible says. In other words, you're not... Things that, things that used to really bother you, that the Holy Spirit would lay on your heart, they don't even seem like a second thought anymore. That's a dangerous place for any of us. I've, I'm sure I've been there at some point. I'm sure I've, I haven't reverenced the presence of God. I haven't reverenced the sacrifice that He made, that our hearts can be sprinkled with the blood by faith. So if you're here tonight and you just say, man, I'm having trouble drawing near to God. I'm having trouble getting close to him. I'm having trouble experiencing his presence during this fast. Listen, I want to encourage you. Don't chase a feeling. Chase Jesus and everything else gets added in with it. I can't stress that enough. You hunger and thirst for righteousness and you will be filled. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But some of you just say, man i got some things in my life that are just bothering me. Maybe you said something to your spouse or told a dirty joke you just knew in your heart you shouldn't have told this afternoon or yesterday or day before. And how important it is for us just to time say, God, would you wash us with the pure water of your word? Would you cleanse and sprinkle and renew our conscience? Father, I pray that right now for every heart in this place, including my own. We reverence your presence. We need your presence because your presence brings victory. Your presence brings assurance, God, that we are the children of God. Your spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. That way we cry out, Abba, Father. So tonight, God, we cry out, Abba, Father. Our heavenly Father who we reverence and love and adore. We know you are mighty. We know you dwell in un. un unsearchable light, unapproachable light. We know, God, that you dwell in the Holy of Holies, but God, you have rent that curtain and you have come to your people. Lord, would you come to us again this night as we've studied altars and arcs, God? God, would you cleanse our hearts? Would you cleanse our minds? Would you cleanse every area? 
of our life, Father. Would you even bring healing to bodies even right now? Father, we continue to cry out for Lapita and others who are struggling in their bodies, Father. God, I cry out for those who have diagnosis, Father, that they don't even know what's ahead of them, Lord. We pray for healing in Jesus' name, believing that that presence is what holds our hand through the fire. It holds our hand through the dark night. It holds our hand through the difficulties, Lord, because life is full of them. But God, I thank you that you are with your people. I thank you that your presence goes before us. It hems us in around. That we will hear a voice from behind saying, this is the way, walk you in it. God, we pray for free-flowing communication between us and heaven. Let a revelation of Jesus, Father, sweep into and over our hearts, God. God, let this season of seeking and fasting turn into such a hunger that turns into such a fire in our hearts that it burns up every trace of what displeases you. God, I pray you would show us and teach us and lead us and guide us into loving what heaven loves, into hating what heaven hates. That you would renew, God, the presence in each one of our lives, God, this night. For everyone under the sound of my voice that's blood-bought and has the, the blood applied to the doorpost of our hearts, Lord, we say like David... We will not rest and we will not slumber until we see your presence increase over this community, increase over our families, and increase over our individual lives. Lord, let the presence of Jesus continually be with us. Jesus, we just say that we need you more than anything else. We need you more than the next breath that we breathe, Lord. Let us be so dependent upon the Holy Presence that when we put our foot into a place or onto soil or onto ground, God, we believe that comes with the authority of your presence. When we step into our homes tonight, God, I pray that the authority of the presence of God would expel all evil. It would expel every work and assignment. And let me remind you, church, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Because your God is for you, not against you. Your God is with you. And your God hems you in all around about. Lord, cover us with the feather of your wings. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into, we run into your holy presence. We run into that place of safety and that place of anointing. God, let a fresh anointing flow across this congregation. Let it break off the old. And God, we know you're forming a new wineskin. We know there's a shaking and we know there's turbulence. We know there's spiritual warfare. We know the demons of hell have been loosed against truth and the people of God. But God, just like the ark that they carried on their shoulders around Jericho, just like the ark that they followed represented the praise, worship, and power of God, let the power of God in your presence return to the house of the Lord. Let the idols that the government has set up, let the idols that people have set up in their lives as they walk on this property, God, I pray it would fall in Jesus' holy name, Lord. It would fall in Jesus. God, let the let the let 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 healing God flow from your holy presence. Let confidence flow from your holy presence. Let us fear no devil in hell, but let us reverence the presence of God. And we believe it will go well for us, Lord, if we could do that simple thing. 
So, Lord, let a revelation ignite in our hearts that we have the ark on the inside by which we can communicate, by which we already have victory in Jesus' name. And God, help us as the power of attorney, as the deputized people of God. Let us apply in faith that victory that has already been won. And let us walk out of here tonight, Father, blessed beyond measure, closer than we've ever been. And Lord, as we continue to build that altar in our lives, let the ark of God and the presence of God come and set upon that altar and let it represent to each heart the fulfillment of the promise that God will be with his people. We love you tonight, Lord. I pray protection over our congregation, those who are here and those who aren't. Protect and watch over our families until you bring us back together at the appointed time, expecting for a move of God, expecting for the presence of God to enrich and saturate our lives, Father. We love and praise you, God, in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, you guys, you guys come Sunday ready for God's presence to break out. Amen? Amen. Got tears just thinking about it. Thank you, Lord. Toko Robasi.